This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. and you may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time, talk time, let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time, live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy, it's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah hope everybody's having a great week happy father's day to all the great fathers out there the fathers that have actually earned that title there's some things in some words that should be earned friends family and fathers and mothers of course too but in honor of this day we got to focus on fathers because you know Fatherhood is not just having a kid. It is just, you know, we learned this from Goku and Naruto. <laughs> being a father is not just, you're not going to get, you know, an honorary badge just for being a father. We saw how those two handle their kids. So um, shout out to all of those who are really putting it in and really putting it in that work to, you know, help raise their kid to be whatever they want to be in life, to do whatever they want to do and to be whoever they want to be. You know, you are to be commended and that's what this day is about. And to be honest, I think there should be like, there should be more celebration of all like black history month. Shouldn't be just one month. We should celebrate, you know, black culture and success all the time, as well as female success all the time and fatherhood and motherhood. And like, it shouldn't just like, yes, we have one day to honor it, but I think we always narrow it down to put all our energy for these one days when meanwhile, every one of us are doing this all year round 365. So, you know, with that said, let's keep celebrating all of these aspects. But in honor of today and Father's Day, to, as I'm recording this, to all great, true, strong, honorable, moralistic fathers out there who are looking out for their families, 
Happy Father's Day. I commend you all. We got a loaded show for you today. We got a lot going on in the world of our favorite fandoms, including my review of The Flash. I decided to just hold it off until everybody else gets to see it. I saw an early screening of it um, about a week or two ago, and I finally get to talk about this and give my thoughts on it and uh, look forward to talking about this. Before I do, I want to give a big shout out to my man, Mike Landy. He is a vet in the ACMG Facebook group, and... He is, he comes from the West Coast and he just happened to be coming to Philadelphia and his, you know, niece, shout out to his niece and congratulations to her. She graduated from Drexel University. That is not an easy school to um, get through, by the way, that's a highly, a highly academic uh, university in college, if you will. And, uh, you know, she graduated. So kudos to her. He, uh, in support of his niece, he uh, traveled down here, but also he wanted to, you know, get a chance to finally meet with me in person. So he reached out to me and I was like, oh, dope. Like, like, seriously, like whenever one of my ACMG Facebook members or anybody that I meet wants to meet me in person, if I haven't, you know, been, if I've been, um, you know, friends with them virtually online for years and we somehow find a way to, to be able to meet, I'm there because it's not just about being online having a conversation and all the stuff eventually the real deal is to for, for the facebook groups is like to gain a friendship with people and then to transition that on into the real world and i do that from time to time i do it when we go to uh, conventions um i would do it when we have like movie outings and such um i would also you know and, and every once in a while somebody out of the blue would come like there are people from around the world that i, that I had the pleasure of meeting um you know Shout out to Michael Burhan. He like from from the UK. He's come into the town all the time. He would go to check out Mega Ran every so often, but he would come visit me. He's come down at least twice to um to the states to come visit around here and end up in Philadelphia. We meet too. So, you know, you can do so much with a Facebook group. It isn't funny. Like I I don't think like there's so many Facebook groups out there, but there are not enough facebook group members utilizing it the way that it is intended and it's just like you try to get your word across but that's not really what it's just for it's to communicate to bond to enjoy some of the things not to post hate about what you don't like or you know try to just get your opinion and your word going no it is trying to like if you like something that somebody else likes you you conversate with them if you don't like it don't conversate like there's so many ways to that people fail to utilize a Facebook group. And it's it's kind of sad, but I'm always happy to see members that I've spoken with for years. And Mike is just one of them. He's been in the group for a very long time and has seen his group go through everything. And it was a pleasure to get a chance to meet him. So Mike, if you're listening, thanks again, man. It was awesome. I had a great time. You know, and, and funny, the other thing too, funny thing too, is that the context of a conversation online and outside are totally different like in the real world it's a different conversation like you can have this context of a conversation on social media and you don't understand what where they're coming from what they're feeling when they say what they said whatever like that but if you have a conversation face to face you kind of get their demeanor you understand where they're coming from you get a better understanding so even after that, you go back on and like you you kind of get who you're talking to. And when they talk about something, that's what they're saying. Too many times we don't do that. And we I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like 
utilize Facebook in general or social media in general for means to get into a more kindred relationship. And I think we as a community, as a society lost that aspect of what is used for. Everybody's trying to be a star. Everybody's trying to be a quote unquote influence. And I hate that word. I really hate that word. People, if you don't know that term, that term influencer is nothing more than a marketing buzz term that is used. Nobody that has been deemed an influencer is the, is the least likely person that you should, you should be influenced by. True. Indeed. There's a special on ABC news on, um, that came out, you know, covering the bad, the really dark sides of influencers. And it's like some of the worst things ever. And it's some of the worst people ever to that note either, uh, as well. Like it, if you have Hulu, it's on there. You should check it out. It's a really good documentary on that. I've been waiting for somebody to do this for a long time because I, me working into marketing, you know, this how this is going to be. So let me stop right there <laughs> before I keep ranting. But Mike, thank you again. Um, it was an awesome time to meet with him. You know, we talked for like a couple hours at Starbucks or whatever, you know, before he had to head out and I had to head out, but it was awesome. You know, I look forward to meeting anybody and everybody as much as possible. So kudos to you. But like I said, we have loaded amount of news to get to today. So let's not waste any time. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, so we're going to start off with something that wasn't originally in my notes, and that is the premiere trailer to Ichiro Oda's new live action series based on a time-honored anime that is One Piece, which is scheduled to premiere on August 31st. And we finally get a chance to see Monkey D. Luffy and Zoro and the cat and, and the whole Straw Hat Gang's cast. Production-wise, it looks fantastic. It looks very similar to the uh to the anime. I think, and, and before I even say this. Uh, Zoro looks dope. Like the the visual look of these guys looks looks really cool. Like they look, they dress, the costumes are exactly the same. They all look the same. Um, there's some really cool special effects in here and CGI stuff going on here. Uh, and we get to see uh, a lot of familiar characters as well. I think where some people are a little bit taken back is because of uh, the the actor who's playing Lu Monkey D Luffy his performance just based on the trailer doesn't really sound like luffy or like it luffy has a very energetic kid like you know voice and he kind of looks goofy which is cool kind of kind of gilligan-esque if you will if you're old enough to know who the hell gilligan is um we'll see it's going to be interesting but, you know, according, I'm looking at Netflix's geek page to the response to this, we have over 2.9 thousand uh, likes. We got 2.6 thousand uh, loves. We got 415 uh, wows of excitement. And we got 20 sad. We got 16 angry. And we have 147 uh, laughs. The laughs, 
and the anger ones are most likely no the, the laughs are trolling the laughs are troll pretty much the troll the, like i hate when people weaponize the the laugh emoji because there are times when they when people use that just to like really crap on something but you know this is one of the cases um honestly this is uh this is this could be a hit or miss i mean we everybody's you know focusing back on when the, the whole cowboy bebop situation there so like this is gonna have to redeem itself majorly because the cowboy bebop which by the way i actually did not mind the cowboy bebop series if you go back to my reviews I actually i actually enjoyed it i rather enjoyed it myself um so we're gonna have to see but for me i'm like you know i know the voice the both the sub and dub version of luffy's voice is very energetic uh you know adolescent almost if you will he i mean he sounds like a teen which is I guess cool but his voice just sounds like you know luffy's puberty kicked in in some case and when he said when he does the gum 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 pistol you know uh battle cry it doesn't give it doesn't have that energy that um that it that originally had so i don't know we'll see but it's coming august 31st and um i'll just reserve any more till i see it visually like i said i i love the scenery everything looks intact um it's just the performances now uh every one of the straw hat gang looked like who they were supposed to be it's just let's see how they go and how they do with this whole thing um the other thing that we got a chance to get a look at is the first visual look of the characters to play in the live action avatar last airbender series and it looks i mean honestly it looks really good the costumes looks really awesome here's the thing I had people in a group in the ACMG Facebook group talk about how this well one in particular said that it looks 10,000 times better than the M line uh M Night Shyamalan version but here's the thing it's only first of all we're only seeing the pictures to be honest the M Night Shyamalan movie in terms of visuals it didn't that wasn't a problem the M Night Shyamalan movie looked like the actual uh animated series the only thing that i'm seeing different from that and this is ang's you know arrow tattoo which in the movie in the movie it was uh his his tattoo was like henna and it was like a henna uh designed arrow pointing down that was it other than that you know everybody it, the only argument was the performance but the arrow was accurate and this is a little bit more accurate here um the costumes the costume design looks pretty much the same as it did you know from the deal so it just comes down to the performances um to me there was nothing there was i had no problem with the original movie in terms of the visuals the costume design um not even even acting to some extent i don't the, the direction may have been the qu most questionable thing so i don't know we'll have to see how that's going to turn up and uh we'll see about that i don't know but so far so good uh so i mean the, the pictures that netflix geek uh revealed is ang katara soka and zoka uh you know so we'll see how this goes and uh see how this plays out but it looks that looks promising just looks visuals alone so and remember 
they're I'm still waiting on Yu Yu Hakusho because they're doing a live action of that too. That that's the one I'm going to be serious too because I'm a big fan of Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, so you know, Ghost Detective is my deal. Like, there's let me let me tell you. I think if I do a Mount Rushmore of anime sh uh, series, it's going to be Dragon Ball, Naruto, Bleach, Yu Yu Hakusho. And I have to fill in that maybe fifth. I have maybe have to fill in the fifth there, but those are the first four that comes up to my to my mind immediately. I I would like to say One Piece, but honestly, I wasn't really that engaged in the One Piece as much. Like I still need to catch up on a lot of the episodes. They are like in a thousand now. I am a long way to go before I can catch up. I only made it up to the Ace Saga, you know, when he killed him off and all this stuff. But I haven't gone past that. But I heard it was like really dope, and he's gone. I've played the games where he has evolved into the, you know, fourth gear or whatever like that, but I haven't seen the actual uh, deal. In it. And I've had seen, I've gone and seen some of the movies, of course, um, but I've not yet to really play catch up on that aspect. So we will see. But I mean, the movies are usually awesome. I've not watched one movie that I didn't enjoy. The movies are always been cool. So we'll see how that goes from there. We'll, we'll, we'll wish them luck. Wish them all luck. So, all right. Uh, video game news here. Spider-Man 2 is now up for pre-order. I locked it in. I'm ready. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be awesome. Um, it's coming in October 30, uh, I believe 31st, if I remember correctly. So, uh, it is, it is on. I am, I am so waiting for that game. Is a lot to be uh, desired for this game. Like you saw with, with Peter, if you haven't, go out of your way to go to uh, Insomniac Games to see the footage of what they did. You know, Spider-Man is going to go through the Venom saga, but there's going to be a different twist. This is not going to be Eddie Brock. They established that already. That is not going to be Eddie Brock. But if you've been playing and following all of the Spider-Man saga so far from the Insomniac and the PS uh, series, then you know it's Harry Osborn. Like, I don't know why they're trying to keep this secret because everything led to Harry Osborn and this, you know, if you remember correctly in the first film, film, the first game, um, Harry basically was in, was bedridden. He was sick. He had a disease that was unbeknownst to Peter and Mary Jane. Um, then we get a little bit of an, you know, end credit scene where we find out that he, they're trying to, um, you know, embed him with the symbiote to, in, her, in hopes to help him. We also get a little bit more in Miles Morales. There's an end credit scene there that shows that, um, that where this is going to continue with. So this is all coming full circle at this point. And then on top of that, Craven the Hunter is going to be the other big focus to this game too. So this, this just looks awesome. I completely got the whole digital deluxe pack I just ran with it. I'm going for it. I'm, you know you're going to get a banger here. So you don't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious how this game is going to pop off. I cannot wait. Like right after New York Comic Con, I'm going to have a great time with this. So I'm looking forward to this whole entire thing. Um, the In other news, let's, I'm moving on to some other news now. Let's go to Disney Plus because they officially announced. And this is huge because this completes the entire thing. The Incredible Hawk, the Ed Norton movie that was in the first phase of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe's Infinity Saga. The Incredible Hawk, finally, 
makes it to Disney+. Plus. With the addition of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, this officially completes the entire Infinity Saga, which is now available on that platform. I am I am so glad because I started after watching uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. all over again. And that I've already decided that that show is just phenomenal from start to finish. Like if the complete package, I know they had it felt like they had uh, like a slow period in the beginning and they picked up when the Winter Soldier came and then a my favorite is this is the um the ghost rider uh season just awesome and then he went to the framework and all this stuff and it went crazy everywhere but after looking at it again from start to finish it was actually awesome it was a great series they get they all need to commend themselves and again i'll say this again there's no way to, that shows disconnected to the cinematic universe if you watch it in fact here's here's another fun fact i have a replica shield badge that i got immediately after re-watching this um this badge came with a you know in the marvel studios uh package it's really got some weight to it too i love this um but it came with a box it came in a box that says marvel studios the infinity saga and it's a agents of shield replica badge so if anybody thinks that agents of shield is nowhere near by any stretch not connected to the marvel cinematic universe they're they're selling merchandise that has the infinity saga on it which is connected to shield so yes this still exists by a long shot no matter what kevin feige told you he probably again reading on reading context of an article or whatever or even he don't believe what kevin feige said on that this thing connects hugely in so many ways it's no way it, it you could it's like you can't unsee a crash you cannot unsee what they did in this movie and how it connects to so many different aspects of the cinematic universe it's just it you can't i mean the shit the series lasted all the way up to um infinity war and graviton you know pretty much with you know, was trying to fight thanos so there you go but this officially completes everything so i'm glad that i kind of paused watching some of the movies because i'm re-watching the whole entire series again because I stopped for a minute and then unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that they were going to get Incredible Hulk in here. So now they got it. So I did watch it again. And I'm telling you, Incredible Hulk for me in my personal preference was my favorite of the first phase, mostly before they reached before they got to the Avengers, mostly because I felt like they paid homage to the Bill Bixby era it was totally paid homage to bill bixby they had bill bixby in there when he was on sesame street as an homage to be paid and then on top of that there was some references from the 1980s uh saturday morning cartoon that played exact that played on the same time where um it, it played around the same time with um spider-man and his amazing friends so you know there were characters in there that was kind of based around that and i thought that was pretty awesome to me and then on top of that the fight scene with abomination in uh in, in the hawk which happened in harlem which by the way it, this was another movie incredible hawk was another movie where people say oh no they're just gonna they're gonna delete that from the marvel cinematic universe and then we found out later on they didn't when they came out with civil war and they brought back um thunderbolt Pat um patterson or peter oh, thunderbolt ross i'm sorry thunderbolt patterson i'm thinking of wrestling but um they brought back thunder uh, thunderbolt ross who was one of the people you know jock you know trying to uh hunt for the hawk back then he was now uh working with the president at this point uh and 
that clip that confirmed that they did not erase the whole entire thing on top of that now two things that came out of um that came out of the incredible hulk that we've that people may have forgot one they had a fight in harlem now i don't know if this was originally planned or seated but when luke cage came out which is based in harlem they mentioned that fight in the episodes of luke cage so it was you know it, i mean they briefly mentioned it but it was absolutely mentioned in the pages of luke cage so um it it, it cannot be connected you know and then on top of that of course if you recall recently last year she hawk which is one of my favorites too um got we we seen the return of blonsky who was also one of the big villains in that show, uh, series so again when we people have made these comments about how you know marvel is dis, disenfranchises and did it they didn't they didn't they didn't get rid of inhumans inhumans is still connected to the marvel cinematic universe and if you don't think that watch dr strange and the multiverse of madness because that scene when the illuminati comes in the person who's playing black um black Bolt is the same actor from the actual series of black vault so yes you cannot this they're not going to disenfranchise anything even at its worst they're going to keep everything in you know they're sticking to their guns and i do appreciate it because here's the deal they got more hits than misses way more hits their batting average is through the roof even even if they got a few blemishes here and there so it's there and i'm just happy that it's back and one of these days i am going to look at inhumans as much as i don't want to I, I know it's a bad movie it was a bad series but i gotta i gotta you gotta do what you gotta do take one for the team <laughs> but um yeah it's officially on there now so you know you can watch the entire infinity saga from start to finish without fail i recommend looking at how i'm doing it on disney plus right now i'm looking at it from the timeline the actual timeline i'm not doing it by phase by phase i'm going disney has disney plus has it where they have every single marvel movie and series in the order that in the timeline order that it should be so in other words captain marvel is first and then iron man is second and you know they go to iron man 2 and then they go to incredible hawk and then they go to one of the one shots and all that stuff in between so i'm looking at it chronologically the way that it should be in the timeline that it should be so I'm, I'm i'm enjoying watching it again i can never get tired of watching these uh these movies and shows or whatever so go out of your way check it out all right we have news on mortal kombat 2 which was announced uh it's announced it's new cast members to be added and that is including martin ford as shell khan now i've never seen this guy but to be honest when it comes to casting shell khan it's just get a big dude is get a big dude who can like a wrestler looking dude who just sounds like like they never Shao Kahn was never a character that they made seem like he was any way articulate and intelligent he was just always barbaric so this Martin Ford dude looks like he's the part he looked like Nathan Jones big you know and if wrestler fans know who Nathan Jones is pretty much but um yeah he's gonna play the role I hope you know honestly I hope this dude got some I hope this dude does uh do have some acting chops because i wouldn't mind seeing a more articulate and intelligent big man you know play this role he could still be menacing as hell like he could be like vincent or uh vincent arturi uh trio from um from daredevil you can play wilson and fisk 
style Shao Kahn still be merciless, but still be uberly intelligent at the same time. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Desmond Cham as King Gerard, uh, Gerard who's uh, Katana's father. Anna Thu Nguyen, who is uh, playing Sindel, uh, Katana's mother. Damon Harriman as Quan Chi, which some people have said that he was the voice of um, another character in last in the last movie. Uh, Cabal, I believe they said he was the voice of. So that's going to be a thing. Here's the big one. Well, I'll go to him last. Uh, Adeline Rudolph as Katana and Tati, uh, Tati Gabrielle as Jade. Now, of course, the biggest focus of this new lineup and cast because of what happened at the end of the last movie. If you recall the last movie, they're going to be searching for new uh, champions and Johnny Cage just happened to be one of them. So that left us wondering who was going to play Johnny Cage. And it is official because it was rumored and there's been talks of this happening, but it's official. Carl Urban from The Boys, from Thor Ragnarok and one of the Punishers is slate to play Johnny Cage. Now, we've talked about this before and it's like it's probably Johnny Cage is possibly the polar opposite character that he should have played for Mortal Kombat. He at all best, Carl Urban will instantly be a dead ringer for Kano. Like he should have been Kano in the first movie. I don't understand why this is happening, but never, never, you know, count Carl Urban out. It's possible. We'll see what version of this he's going to be playing, how he's going to portray it. Is he going to still have his, you know, uh, accent to this as well? You know, there's a lot of questions is going to be had because Johnny Cage is a it's I mean, Carl Urban can play arrogant. He could play, you know, kind of, you know, he could be sort of a D-bag type of character. He kind of is a D-bag kind of a character in, um, on the boys. But like the, when you think Johnny Cage and you talk about somebody who should portray that, everybody who, especially if you're a wrestling fan, instantly, absolutely, without question, has thought like, why not The Miz? That dude virtually is a real life Johnny Cage. He like true indeed. Like, I don't. I'm not the biggest like Miz fan, but I I'll totally know and will definitely admit that this dude can really pull off being Johnny Cage. He can. He, his whole entire persona, his gimmick, is being a Johnny Cage like type of character. So this would be a no. This would be a no deal. I think they just they wanted a big name. And they got Carl Urban. He's a big enough name to get people's attention because of his popularity from the boys. And rightfully so. I get it. Um, I only reason why I'm not going to against this because I do have faith in Carl Urban and his, you know, ability to act. So I'm not I'm not opposed to this completely, but I'm just thinking like he could have played Kano like that. Like it would have been that it's been so easy for him to do. But we'll see. Um, the last movie was dope. I don't expect this one not to be like anything that Netherrealm, Ed Boon, if you will, has involved themselves with in terms of especially their working relationship with WB has been phenomenal. The writing and production for Mortal Kombat has been nothing short of absolutely awesome. I cannot wait for um, Mortal Kombat 1 to come because I'm mostly not a, for two reasons. One, 
just to play fire guy Luke Kang, as I mentioned, and two, because I know, I know true indeed that like that story is going to be dope. The story, the story mode is going to be absolutely awesome. It's going to be a high level Hollywood production involved with that, with great stellar writing, and it's going to be awesome. So we'll see. On to unfortunate news. Um, we do got to talk about the passing of the legendary, phenomenal, wouldn't won't be another like him, artist known as John Romita Sr. Uh, he passed away recently, and he is one of the legendary comic book artists behind some of Marvel and DC's most iconic comics, one of which, of course, is Spider-Man. And, you know, here, I, truth be told, like John Romita Sr. will always get his flowers. Although I was not particularly a fan of his comic books, you know, style, but he represents a, a, a an artist style of his era. And at the time we didn't have Jim Lee's or, you know, Eric Larson's and all these really charismatic artists that we have today, but his art style led the way to all these other artists without him we wouldn't have a template to look at and say like, okay, we're going to do it this way. Boom. We're going to change it up just a bit. You know, we'll never be John Romita senior, but we can be something different and, and make our beer, make our own name. But John Romita senior, um, he, he is the Godfather, one of the Godfathers out there. Uh, of course, you know, we got Ditko and, you know, Kirby and all those guys too, but John Romita was like, he was the next generation to that. And um, he he will be missed. His his artwork will be missed. And uh, man, uh, thank you for all the years that he is that he has contributed to this. Because like I said, like yeah, we got we got the you know Tom McFarlands and we got the uh, Jim Lees and the Rob Liefelds and and the um, Mark Silvestri's and all those guys. But he is he is one of the forefathers of the comic book industry. Um, him and his son to that respect, whether I am fans of their work or not, they are, they are recognized as one of the legends of this industry and, uh, you know, more rest in power to that, you know, and thank you, you know, say hi to Stan for us. <laughs> Definitely. Um, speaking of Stan, we're going to talk about that soon too, very soon. And about a few more um, notes that I'm going to put up. Um, also, coming next week will be Final Fantasy 16. However, if you want to get a little bit of a sneak peek play of this game, the demo is available now if you haven't checked it out already. Um, I've played a little bit of this, and trust me, like you get like a, there's a lot of game to play even for the demo. It's like a, over an hour's amount of play for the demo. And it's, I guarantee you this, if they gave us this much, that just telling us that they're giving us so much more when we come up. So I am looking forward to this game for a lot of reasons. One, the story carries a bit of a vibe that mixes Game of Thrones and The Witcher together in a Final Fantasy in, in, with a Final Fantasy spin to it. Um, I would also say that like on a, all the Final Fantasy game, the recent Final Fantasy games that I played this one was one of the most provocative and edgy storytelling and character development that I've seen. And much like there's a lot of F-bombing in this. Like I've never seen a F heard of F-bomb ever in a Final Fantasy game. There's a lot here and there's a little bit of, you know, sexual provocativeness, 
provocativeness in here too. Um, I'm looking forward to this. The gameplay, of course, which if many of you don't know, Platinum Games put their uh, fingerprints in this game. So if you like the, the uh, actual combat system, you could thank them because they're responsible for it. Of course, you know, the uh, you got the people behind DMC, which, of course, is also Platinum Games is involved in that, too. So I'm looking forward to this. Platinum Games is one of my favorite companies, and this should be a banger, which is why I'm not mad that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming out in 2014 because of uh, 2024, <laughs> as I, I should say, is because one, that's they're doing two disc worth of gaming in there, and it's going to be big. Two, we got this game already to work with. And you guys recall, we still had um, Crisis Core that they gave us. So I am not mad at all at the fact that they uh, haven't gotten it at all. So we'll see. But it's coming out next week. I'll most likely will be reviewing it uh, probably the week after because it's going to take me a bit to, you know, go ahead and check it out. So we'll see about that. So I want to give my thoughts also on the movie known as Flaming Hot. I got a chance to see this movie. And let me tell you, I want to recommend this movie to everybody. Everybody, especially those who have wanted some inspiration in their life and to, you know, check out the life of a man who has, you know, been through a hell of a lot. Like, I found this movie to be very relatable and looking at the life of of um richard Mont, uh what is it richard montanez um i thought it was awesome i thought his i thought jesse garcia who played um who played in this role i thought he did tremendous here he played richard Mont, uh yeah montanez uh or Montanez is how they were pronouncing it i thought he did absolutely phenomenal in this movie i really felt it. i really there were things that i can relate to you know being a how or hard times and all that stuff and you know just trying to do good is it's just it this it was this movie and i think another movie that, no it was this in transformers uh rise of the beast that had a similar type of theme going on with their movies where both characters um the, both characters in the movie were going through some hard time. They couldn't find jobs. They wouldn't get hired anywhere. And they're both Latino. And they're both um they're both Latino and as well. And they were just trying to make ends meet or whatever. I hate that saying, by the way. I cannot stand that saying. But because they weren't getting the opportunities and resources that they were getting, they felt like they had to do whatever they had to do to, you know, keep their family afloat to survive. So both of those characters wind up doing, you know, going into, you know, other means and, and I mean, illegal means, unfortunately. And it was the same thing. Like when, when, uh, Anthony Ramis played as Noah, if you guys remember, if you watched the movie, he, he could not get a job after he went AWOL from, you know, the military, they weren't hiring him at all. So he decided he was going to try to, you know, uh steal and flip cars he did not want to do that he didn't but he was given no options um the same thing happened here with richard montanez um montanez who um had the same situation he was around the wrong people but he was trying to do right 
you know, his his um, girlfriend and then soon uh, wife, Judy Montanez, who, by the way, Annie uh, Gonzalez. Aside from him, she was the true star of this. I she was as, she was as close to the Claire Huxtable character that I ever and I love the Claire Huxtable character um, because they're both like ride or die, you know, you know, uh, people in their in their uh, partner's lives. And she fought for him and supported him even in his lowest time. And that right there was just, I mean, I became, a, I've never seen Annie Gonzalez before, but I'm a complete fan for a lot of reasons um, of, of her performance. Um, she convinced me majorly who that she was this woman and she supported him. You know, and he says it, and Richard says it in the movie, he's like, no matter what, man, everybody needs a Judy in their life. And I was like, you ain't lying. <laughs> she like she she was with him when he was doing wrong. She was with him when he was doing right. And she was damn sure with him at his lowest point and felt that throughout thick and thin that this cat had a lot more in him and supported him the entire way. He, um, he also had issues with his father in here as well. And uh, I just love the way that this was happening. This also what I loved about this movie is that they also point out some of the issues that was going on in that time you know this was around the 80s during the reagan era and then it transitioned over to the 90s and everything and this is him trying you know getting a job at um frito-lay and you know um trying to you know be a part of it and see how you know enthusiastic he was working at this job because he never thought he was going to get a job he felt very valued uh at this job hey, to this extent but he also wanted to see this grow you know, he also wanted to see, you know, this, you know, they didn't want, he didn't want this, you know, jobs to be lost. He didn't want other people. So he was trying to come up with a way to get, you know, more money in so they could get to keep the workers in. And he was the one, this janitor created the flaming hot Cheetos. And the moral of this is to not be afraid to stick your hand out, to stick your head out, to reach out, to, you know, do what you believe in. He did, no matter what. There were people that were doubting, there were people, his friends that were trying to hold him back. Now, not what I was expecting, it was that he had friends that was trying to hold him back because they hated him. No, they they held, they tried to hold him back because they, one, they didn't have a mindset to know that they can make change. And two, that's the ideology. It's like, we don't, talk to these people to hire up people they don't talk to us you know and that was the mentality and that's honestly still the mentality to this day i got people who doubted what i was going to do and how i was going to do with acmg and you know had i if i listened to people like that i would not be where i was with this brand today and i would not reach out to the people that i had today and i wouldn't have these opportunities that I had today, albeit small or big. I did it because I knew I could. I knew I had the ability in me to do it and I knew I could make change and I knew I can make an impact. Richard did the same thing. And this dude was in the lowest of the low. Like janitor is the lowest position as you could ever have in a company. I mean, it's an honest job. It's a really solid job. It'll get you paid, but it is in fact the lowest job and this dude came from being at the lowest point and having the biggest promotion anybody's ever had by becoming an executive 
you know, for his for his community, saving a bunch of people of jobs and everything. It was just what a you know, it goes to show that true heroes don't have powers and they always wear capes. <laughs> Sometimes they have really cool mustaches. But um, I also love the fact that Dennis um, has bird. It was been a hair. Uh, yeah. All state guy. Um, and the dude from 24, he played Clarence C. Baker, who was also, you know, an established guy in Frito-Lay. He worked the machines and all that stuff. And Richard wanted to learn from him because he knew a little bit about machines and friend cars and whatnot and mechanics. So he wanted to learn from him, but they, they were telling him like, you don't go near him. So no, Richard has always been like a really, a, a, an assertive guy, no matter how awkward the situation is. And he approached him and what really made it so cool was that you got Clarence and you got Richard who are like, what I, for those who don't know, this is like an unwritten thing in, in, in our community and society, but the Latino community and the black community are kind of like what I was consider calling them cousin cultures is because we both have a lot in common. We both have some of the very similar struggles some similar upbringings, some similar, a lot of similarities, like whether it be the Spanish community, the Puerto Rican community, Mexicans, whatever, like we, they, there's a lot of things in common with the, with both communities. So a lot of times we're often bonding a lot more than we have with other, you know, ethnicities and whatnot, because we are the most likely minority groups to be held back in this society. And I really love the fact that he and Clarence, Richard and Clarence worked together and Clarence gave him that opportunity and, and you know, cause he's been there before and in his situation, he was in a higher up position, but he was supposed to, he was trying to also be in an even higher position because he has worked there for so long. He knows so much, but he couldn't break that glass ceiling mostly because the, the ceiling consisted of all white established executives in there. So, you know, they put him in a, a, in a position that was good, but not to where he should be. And with him working with Richard and him putting, having Richard under his wing, I thought that was really cool. What I thought was really interesting was Tony, uh, Shahab, um, playing Roger Enrico, who is like the CEO of, uh, free play in here. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I, I still don't know. Um, I thought I, I, cause he plays, um, the father in, uh, Mrs. Maisel. So he's playing a Jewish character, but in here he's kind of playing a Latino character in here as well. So I'm a little bit confused, but even though he did his performance was awesome in here, I was like, okay, they're doing this. Let's go with it. I'm okay. <laughs> whatever we got we got the story uh in this so we'll see how to, we'll see about that um we also got to see uh bryce gonzalez who plays steven um montanez in here and he was just an adorable kid um who i i thought he was really cool he got interviewed by uh, i think good morning america and i hated that interview because i felt like they were a little bit more condescending in a way and probably not meaning to be condescending but they talked to him. Uh, he is a kid. I get it. Get it. He's a kid. But this kid is a little bit more articulate than most kids. Like he's able to, to read lines 
and you know be able to do stuff like it's if you guys watch lopez uh lopez and lopez there's a kid in there that looks very similar to him that also is a tremendous actor and i kind of felt like y'all could have talked to him a little bit more had a little bit more sophisticated conversation with the dude not to be over articulate to go over the kid's head but i think the kid could have a better interview than what he's having i just felt like like act like y'all been around a block so a bit but nonetheless Bryce did a really good job and he really nailed it in. And um, he was just, he was great throughout. Matt Walsh also, who played Lonnie Mason in here, um, who was, you know, Martin's, uh, Richard's boss. And, you know, he 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 wasn't feeling him before, but like later on in the movie, he, he really gets convinced. And then they, you know, how they back him up and how everything happens. It's pretty cool. Like the fact that, you know they of course some things in the story has changed but the reality is is that this dude legit has he has legitimately came from being a janitor to one of the highest paid and biggest execs in frito-lay and after 48 years he finally retired but they made this movie and it is this is a great american story um i hope that in some way somehow that this movie gets nominated for whatever awards hopefully the highest because this is this in tetris to me is one of my favorite movies today that is not that's not a superhero movie or whatever these movies based on these real events are fantastic uh rather one of i rather i want both of those to be nominated i hope one of them wins but if all else they deserve to be nominated and ava langora who directed this movie kudos to her she did a knockout job directing this movie i thought this was phenomenal i don't i don't know i don't think this is a first phrase of the director but she knocked this one out the park i i love this movie uh wholeheartedly go out and check this movie out you gotta check it out and speaking of checking things out this week right now on disney plus is the premiere of stanley's new and latest documentary done by disney and let me tell you, I've seen my fill of Stanley documentaries, and this one right here will be among the finest. Now, I will say my my favorite before this, I and I still highly recommend going out every way to see it if you haven't. It's called uh, "With Great Power" because that was the that was the standard Stanley documentary at the time, and what made that one so special is that because you got exclusive footage of Stan. Stan was alive during the time of that documentary. So he was able to have footage of him at home. Uh, we got to see him talking with his wife and spending time with his wife, Jude. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. And I still highly recommend there are parts. There are things that you'll see in that documentary that you won't see in this movie and vice versa, because in this documentary, I was my first thing when I approached this documentary was what are we going to see or hear? that we didn't hear in the other and with great power we got to hear from a lot of staff of marvel during the time of, of timely comics we got to hear from um jack kirby well we some of the things some of the audio that we heard from jack kirby was already served in other documentaries or especially um with great power especially that radio interview that they did where those two started going back and forth with it which always disturbed me it was pretty sad to be honest um, and Stan started that one. <laughs> Stan absolutely started that one. But he covers, I, no matter how many times I've heard Stan Lee talk about his life, I can listen to it 
and watch it over and over again because it's such a great story of how this man decided to listen to um his own self and you know his wife um and what he was able to do with Tom Lee comics and then it became Marvel comics and you know the stuff that he went through um with uh Jack Kirby and and uh, the gang um it was it was it was fun it was phenomenal um so the stanley the i'm gonna recommend two with great power which is the stanley story and that one like i said that one's pretty awesome you can watch both of them and still get somewhat of a different experience because how they how it was um filmed how it was put together they added a lot of like sort of a diorama type of scenes to it when it came to certain scenes and aspects to it on the latest one but like i said like um you got to see uh, avi arrett in with great power you got jeremy piven um you got brett reiner samuel L. jackson in that one this one paris hilton for some reason <laughs> joe kusada um this one not so, uh, nicholas cage was in there too and the other one jason lee and seth rogan uh, was on that one but this one what they did was that they got a lot of people from timely comics to comment on certain uh, aspects of the documentary um what they didn't cover which i was surprised was how stan um put together spider-man and how he was about to give up on the idea of spider-man and it was his wife that convinced him to keep going to you know uh yeah what was it um june what he did what i did love is that they talked about how he met joan and i didn't hear that story before um at least i don't believe and they talked about the story they even showed old, older footage of them to um you know living in their younger days in the 60s so we got to see a little bit of that joan was a stunning woman like she he compared he compared joan Joan Lee, who, if you guys recall, she passed away in uh, 2017. Um, she, he often, he compared her on a documentary to uh, MJ. When he said that, I immediately, like, that just, it kind of upset me a little bit more because I'm thinking, of, this is what Joe Kusada, I'm like, I, this makes me even wonder why even more that, why Joan, um, Joan Kusada, um, uh, John Kusada, decided to nick niche um the I, joe kusada i should say not john um decided to niche the idea of peter and and mj being married and getting together like i hate it when he broke them up for one more day i i just hated that to this day a lot of people did and because it was peter and mj were a reflection of stan and joan it, like that's basically what he pretty much said and I love the fact that in, in the documentary of how they met from there and how they like to live. And they, you know, it was funny. He was saying like, whenever that they wanted to live, you know, whenever they wanted something special in their life, some type of expense in their life that he would just write another story and get paid right there. And it was just like that. They, 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 they spent among their means, if you will. I, you know, um, there is a guy a financial guru named Ramit, uh, I believe it's Ramit Atiti, who um, who basically uh, talks about living your rich life. Um, 
Let me see if I can look this up. Let me see if I can look this up real quick. And basically, basically the guy talks about like he gives financial advice, but he also talks about how he um yeah, it's Ramit Saiti, basically. And he talks about like how you should live your rich life and not exactly living it in the way of saying you need to live to you need to be rich. Like you need to your rich life can be your happiness. And listening to Stan and Joan, you know, talk about how, you know, they lived, it's like they're living, they lived the way that they wanted to be. And he kind of reflects, it just reminded me of where uh, Ramit talked about in, in his, uh, in his books and everything when, he, when it comes to stuff like that. So this really was cool in a lot of ways, because again, you got to hear from Jack Kirby, uh, comments from Jack Kirby before he passed. You got to hear, you know, comments from other people that you haven't heard from before in a, in a series and the way it was just put together and produced is just, it's, it's a, it's well worth it. It's about like a, about like an hour and 27 minutes, I believe it, it is. Um, yeah, hour 26 minutes in there. And it's just amazing. And, and again, a lot of footage that you don't see different variations of Stan Lee as you know, throughout the years, you can see here as well. And all the things that you, you know that uh, that you get to see and god we they always talk about the comic code and all the stuff there and the things that he had to go through and all the stuff so it's so worth checking out if you're a stan uh, a fan of stan lee it doesn't matter how many times you hear the story or how many times how many documentaries you have it's stan lee we would not be enjoying the fandoms that we are today without him and of course kirby and simon as well but oh i will say this there is a segment on here in this movie that you got to see because it involves a talk show that he was in. It was him, this uh, comic book enthusiast, as they what they called him. Very art intelligent, articulate dude that um, was trying to explain why young adults and adults enjoy Marvel comics. And then you had a, a former DC Comics executive in this panel with him. And you're seeing him talk about how people don't want sophistication in comic books. They want something to take their mind away and whatever like that. And the, the comic book enthusiast schooled the, the DC comics dude and schooled the hell out of him. And Stanley is just laughing at the idea what this what the DC uh, executive said, while the enthusiast is like, well, I wouldn't recommend Superman and Batman to anyone of the age of 12 and, uh, and uh, over because you don't provide significant uh, sophisticated continuity that people can relate to of our of our uh, older demographic. He didn't say it like that, but he said it just in that sense. And you just watch Stanley just look you laughing at the absurdity of what the DC executive has said. It is a awesome moment. I'd never seen that part before. I don't give it justice. You need to see it. And in fact, I need to find that talk show and segment because I thought it was awesome. I need to hear it. It's a segment where they talking about why adults should be into comic books or whatever like that. So hopefully I can find it. And if I do, oh my God, I'm going to enjoy that. It, it just looks absolutely awesome. So go anyway, check it out. Celebrating the 100 years because it is Stan Lee's heavenly birthday year of a hundred. So we do so in saying thank you, Stan again for everything. I am very happy to have had a chance to be anywhere near that guy. Um, whether you have 
gotten a chance to take a picture with him at a convention back in the day, got an autograph or whatever like that, which I did both. And I have a diary that has this autograph in there as well. But and I got a picture with him that I have in my office right here in 2013. Um, regardless, man, even just getting anywhere near him, it's like it literally is feels I don't you know how people go to you know to meet the Pope. I call him I called him the comic book Pope because meeting him, you get this aura. It's something about this man, this aura that you get. And whatever you the aura you get from it vibes, it just pops off. And trust me when I tell you, ACMG really popped off that year. And really, I really got in, got on the ball this year. And I would say my inspiration is Stanley, number one, bar none. So go anyway, check it out. It's available on Disney Plus right now. And folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I am going to give my thoughts on The Flash. Was it worth it and did it live up to the hype? We'll talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter VI. You're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Let us begin. Shaza! Shinku Hadouken! Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we're back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of The Flash, the believed to be the final installment of the DC Films era, as we're going into the DC Studios era, headed by James Gunn. Um, this movie starring Ezra Miller, who we all know is not only the flash, but he has been known to be under some really big controversial situations as of late. Um, Ezra was involved in a lot of sticky issues that, that alluded him to being arrested for many, you know, situations and many really bad situations at that. Um, Shia LaBeouf level situations, I should say. And it's funny. I'm mentioning Shia LaBeouf because Ezra Miller kind of is that Shia LaBeouf level type of character, like actor, where these guys are tremendous. They're they are really great actors, but they somehow get themselves into these really crazy situations that ruins their career almost, that damages their career. Like Shia LaBeouf, when he did Transformers, when he first got into do Transformers. And I know he did like I think he, he did insomnia before that, but he really got you know he really got his feet wet in notoriety from being in Transformers and you know playing one of the best human characters out there. So his career was on a skyrocket, like almost in the same sense that Michael J. Fox had, and then all of a sudden he just 
went total left field with his career. Ezra Miller had that same path going. I could easily compare him to Shia LaBeouf. And in the same sense, he did the exact same thing and went on a crazy left field type of road that has got him into a bad situation. However, it appears that DC is sticking with him. And to his credit, it seems like he is owning up to the stuff that he's done, uh, admitting himself to get getting help for his mental health situations and trying to, you know, redeem himself in some way. Um, this film is a definite indication of DC support. Now, here's the thing. We got the Jonathan Major situation out here, too, and he's still innocent till proven guilty. So I'd hope I really hope that and, and maybe I don't know, possibly James Gunn, maybe he has he has something to do with the fact that he's there because James Gunn was in some issues as well. But it was issues involving something that he did like a decade ago that he hasn't done since. And he's owned up to it and he's apologized for it back then. And Marvel fired him for it. And now because of that, they lost out on one of the best directors that they had, not the best, but one of the best directors that they had in that company. And now he's going to help DC and he's already proven that he's an asset to DC because he came out with the Suicide Squad and knocked it out of the park. It got signed up for that gig right after he got fired from uh, Marvel before they rehired him back to finish um, the Guardians of the Galaxy saga. And then on top of that, he did um, Peacemaker, which was phenomenal. So I don't know if, you know, talk about a person of understands second chances. He probably was part of the help of why this has happened. So um, Ezra's back. Meanwhile, Jonathan Majors is still going through these issues. And there's all these talks about them, you know, replacing him. He hasn't been convicted. And then on top of that, we have footage that he may be telling the truth about a situation. So I hope that they Marvel does their absolute due diligence and it seems like they've already supported him already because they came out with the um ant-man you know uh movie which has him fully on air and we'll see because loki is coming out too the second season and jonathan majors is in that move is in that series we've seen um a clip on that at the end credit of of the ant-man movie so look I'm just saying, look, I think I hope Marvel supports this. I hope Marvel supports Jonathan Majors until otherwise, because he has I think he has more for him than against him in this case. So, and, and now that we see Ezra Miller here, get, he gets a chance. I'm just saying, just put it out there like that. But let's get back to this movie where we get to see Ezra Miller reprise his role as the fidgety <laughs> Barry Allen which is really different to the Grant Gustafson, Mary Allen in here. And um, I, for what it's worth, I thought this movie was one of their better movies. Absolutely not the best movie out of the bunch. Not nearly the best. I think Suicide Squad, I think James Gunn's Suicide Squad was clearly the absolute best DC movie they have put out in uh, quite a while. Um, but this is in there in a list of really great ones. I think Aquaman, Suicide Squad, the first Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, um, which is great that I mentioned Man of Steel because there's a huge connection to, you know, the Man of Steel movie in this. 
and we'll i mean we'll see I, I, i'll just say this like i loved everything about it i also of course this would not be without michael keaton <laughs> who was the absolute true mvp of this i think he may have been the savior of this film like ezra miller did a great job um you know as barry allen of course in here he was one of the more likable you know actors in here and their likable roles in here until the controversy but for what it's worth if you cut away the controversy and everything the, he did really great in this movie uh michael keaton no just reminds you why he is the absolute best batman out there and I, i'll say the best live action batman if you want to say best batman period whether it be live action or animated I say Kevin Conroy kind of gets that nod, it, it, to be honest. Um, yes, it was, you know, Michael Keaton who kind of really gets the first nod because if not for Michael Keaton's performance, we probably wouldn't have a Batman animated series anyway because to play off of. But Kevin Conroy deserves his flowers as an actor in general, not just a voice actor, because folks know it, whether you realize it or not, voice actors are actors. It's just doing voice roles, but they're actors regardless. I hate this distinction between the two because it means nothing like Samuel L. Jackson at any time can go in and do a voice role media given bigger example, even more of an example close to me, Molly Flanagan, who's the voice of Naruto, but she also does live action roles too. Like she she's in, she does, she's in Royal Crackers. For, for on, on, on the Dell Swim, but she also does, you know, uh, not dead yet. She's on that series. She does live action roles. She's been in commercials. She's done plenty of things prior to. Um, she's been on Shameless for the full, entire first season. Okay. Um, so they're actors. They, that's all. They just chose to do roles under in a booth or on stage or in a studio. It's no different. They're all actors at the end. So Kevin Conroy still gives me the top knot, but Michael Keaton as a live action Batman still gets it. So the entire story of this movie is based around the one of DC's most iconic modern sagas that they had called Flashpoint Paradox, which has Barry Allen going back in time to try to save his mom because he now knows how to work the speed force. He can know he knows how to, you know, go back in time uh, through that way and hopefully changing the events of him, you know, not regretting being able to save his mom when the reverse flash actually killed him before. He's kind of intimidated into doing this by the reverse flash. But in this movie, they you they they kind of take liberties with the story by making it appear not about him getting mad of him not being able to save his mom, but not being able to prove that his father uh, wasn't the killer of his of her mom because you know they blamed his father for killing that's always been a story from the comics and all over the place even the great the cw version his father was the one to be blamed for his um his wife's murder even though he was nowhere around and that was the way it was set up when it was actually the you know reverse flash who did it but in here instead of him trying to say well he he was trying to do the same thing here by making sure that she had the item in the store that she was meant to have. So by her having the item in the store, the husband, you know, Henry wouldn't have to Henry, by the way, 
who is played by Ron Livingston. Um, you know, everybody knows him from our favorite cult classic, Office Space. He's playing uh, Barry Allen's father here. If Henry didn't go to the store to actually uh, get the tomatoes or whatever it is need to cook, then he would not be framed in the murder of his mother. In this house, this sets off the chain of events here that, you know, goes off into the, um, the flashpoint. In other words, he goes, to, he tries to do this so many times that he ends up screwing up time. And this is how everything it ends up going. There is no more Superman. Zod is come back. Uh, well, just takes place in the events of Man of Steel. But in this case, you know, Clark never makes it to Earth in this case. Instead, Kara, who is Supergirl, um, you know, ends up come, being the one to do. But she's being held in a in Star Labs or whatever facility that she's in. And they got to try to way free her and all sorts of mess going on. I've been told by people in our ACMG Facebook group that they felt like this, this went everywhere. But if you didn't read Flashpoint Paradox, you wouldn't exactly get what's going on. But if you did, you kind of understand why everything is happening the way it is. And I felt that they did pretty good. They did a pretty good job with what they were working with, considering that the original Flashpoint Paradox movie, I mean, or series, or even animated movie that you guys got to see from DC Animated, which I think was way more established and, 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 and well told a lot better than this movie was. Um, they did a pretty good job what they could work with. I mean, they didn't have the amount of characters that they had. Some returning characters did come back. We got to see Ben Affleck, Batman in here. We got to see uh, Jeremy Irons uh, return as Alfred. So we got to see that whole situation here. Um, we also got to see, uh, who else did we get to see? Um, Gal Gadot. They brought Gal Gadot in as a surprise, which I'm so glad that they did. I was so glad because what happened basically to, um, you know, if you guys recall when Shazam uh, Fury of the Gods came out, they just totally let the cat out the bag and show Gail Gadot returning as Wonder Woman for that. And that kind of pissed off a lot of people, myself included, who wanted to make that a surprise. Like nobody knew that she was going to be on there. And I think they made that as a desperate attempt to get people to want to see the movie now. And it actually, it, it be, it did the total opposite that we, unfortunately we know that that movie became a box office fail. And I think showing that part did not help one bit. I think it would have helped if they didn't uh, sit the same way that she, that Gail Gadot appeared in Fast X at the end. Like nobody saw that coming. And the reaction from that was awesome. Like don't let out surprises that they're there for a reason, which is why I didn't say anything about what happened at the end of this movie. Just like I didn't say what happened at the end of Rise of the uh, Beast because the reaction for it it's it's the price of a mission you don't give that away and dc has been known to make these desperate attempts a lot lately with that but i'm glad that they did not they decided not to do that with the flash and it was a great um time to see her and the rest of the justice league with the exception of Ken, henry cavill for some reason um was not in here but you know we got to see him do this and in the midst of all this he goes into he he you know 
thinks that he fixes time and fixes the situation but in fact he ends up in another earth or another time frame of the earth where he ends up seeing another version of himself a slightly i guess younger teen version of himself without the powers and he also discovers that ben affleck's batman is no longer here and in its place there's michael keaton's batman which i swear to goodness this was such a awesome thing to see you know it just reminded again it reminded us like why we loved him so much but we get to see michael keaton in a different way because the action that we get to see him do we never got to see him do an 89 version and he tim burton did really well with what he could do because we didn't have the technology and the cgi uh technology that we have today to be able to do, see batman michael keaton's batman do what he's doing now and this was michael keaton at his best that's saying a lot considering like it's like decades later that was 1989 and it's 2023 and we're still seeing him being the badass dude that we love and it was just what they did with him was just so great um in here i mean if you have any reason to want to see this movie is to see michael keaton back as batman i also personally was happy to see michael shannon because i man is still i actually liked mostly because not just because of henry cavill but because his version of general uh, zod was so awesome and also added to that bringing back um what is it i uh, tria who played the uh, female uh kryptonian as well that was with um general zod brought back a whole bunch of people uh brought back the reason why i love man of steel in the first place but i thought it was interesting of not having um you know you know having henry cavill on here and then you know replacing it with sasha kale who i thought did an amazing job as supergirl and uh she was just awesome she was just awesome in so many ways in here um a little bit mad that we aren't going to be able to see her again and i thought that was uh thought that was really ill <laughs> how this happened and they made sure that we weren't going to see her again because she had to die <laughs> in this apparently because she was a part of an anomaly that they just couldn't save she was destined to die at the hands of General Zod multiple times. And, you know, lo and behold, we find out that the reverse flash in here was actually Barry Allen himself, the Barry, the young Barry Allen who ends up getting powers after they um, get him struck by lightning. And, you know, there's there's the twist to that there. So it was it was really interesting. I will say here's the part that I did love, but did not love at the same time. And this is the part that every a lot of people had issues with. Um, I will say i will say this before that i would also want to point out that um iris west played by uh Kersey clemens she they they brought her back and if you guys recall there were some issues where they left her out of the situation they brought her back interestingly so she looked a little bit older in this uh version of it but she was a lot younger when this uh movie started and here she looked pretty good she looked really good but just looked slightly older in here uh as well so you know there was that situation but for the most part you know she she did her thing in here um but there was a part in here where when i was in the theater a lot of people got really excited to see despite the fact that the cgi looked a bit outdated in terms but there was a scene where they went to different multiverses and you got to see so many different it paid this the scene paid homage to a lot of awesome people over the years including uh george reeves who was one of the like the 1950s or 60s superman here i thought that was awesome we got to see christopher reeves 
in CG CGI form. And here we got to see uh, also the original Supergirl, Helen uh, Slater, who also played um, Melissa Benoit's um, mom in Supergirl in here as well. Uh, so we got to see her and Christopher Reeves in there too. We got to see Adam West. Uh, and then the big one where the crowd in my theater at the early screening went completely nuts. Nicolas Cage as the Tim Burton version of Superman. So they acknowledged him as a Superman in here. And I thought that was so great. Um, the only downfall of that is that the CGI just looked uh, maybe like a decade outdated. It's like they it almost feel like that they made this years ago and they just now showing it and they didn't, you know, revive it. Or, I mean, they didn't update it or whatever like that. But nonetheless, it was a great moment. You know, say what you will about it. It was it was definitely a great moment to see. Um, but I would say what the ending is what really made people flip. And at least in the theater, I, I heard from one of my ACMG Facebook group members, Craig, um, that he went to an early screening, but they did not show the ending and i remember reading about that there were some things that were going to be blurred out and put together that they weren't going to show in the early screening but the early screening that i went to had the ending and that ending made people go banana like all through the all through the movie in my theater people were laughing they were entertained they were they were excited in certain moments they you know cheered for certain moments so definitely this movie was well received in our theater and i'm pretty sure it was well received in other theaters as well but when this last scene came and barry's back and he feels that he got everything back in order and bruce wayne comes up and he appears and we're expecting to see good old ben affleck uh, bruce wayne come back and it is not him nor is it michael keaton and of all people it is in fact the one Bruce Wayne, we would thought we would never see again and probably should never see again, but we did. Mother effing George Clooney comes out of the damn car. And the the reaction from the theater, everybody went bananas for this because of all actors who's ever played Batman, it is across the board, even from the man himself. That is claimed that he maybe also, you know, um, I forgot the other one, but that's how bad it was. But this, he's actually going down to say that he, he's apologized for playing the role of Batman, the, the, um, shoot, what is it? The Schumacher, uh, version. He's widely considered as the worst Batman ever portrayed. Like so much so that it almost damaged his career. He, because he's George Clooney, he managed to come back from the trenches of that. But to see him come out of that and acknowledge as uh, Bruce Wayne, oh, it set up a firestorm of people just getting so high. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and it just ended just like that. And then Barry just looked like, what the? <laughs> it just, it like, it left things so open ended. Like nothing was answered. Like, is he really coming back to reprise his role as Batman? And if so, I'm actually looking forward to it because if they did what they did with Michael Keaton's Batman, I think this could be a chance for them to redeem 
George Clooney. And he's older, just like Michael Keaton was, just like Ben Affleck was portraying. I think this is a chance. I'm actually more excited now because I think they will do him justice if he comes back as this version of the Batman. I thought it was absolutely awesome. It was a great, funny, comedic moment, but it left it leaves us wondering, like, is this what's really going to happen with this new DC film? I mean, just with the new DC Studios realm. Is George Clooney coming back as Batman? Is he going to get a chance to redeem himself for the Batman and Robin movie that many people have said this was like the worst Batman movie ever? Val Kilmer would be the other um, name that, you know, is mentioned as terms of the worst. But I think he's been overshadowed by George Clooney. So I just the fact that George Clooney even came back to really humor this moment, I think is just awesome. Because he does, he he doesn't shy away from the idea that people hated it, and he also felt like it was just not the best move ever. Um, but shout out to him for doing that. It was it was just a just for the moment. It just made a great moment, and nobody really booed it. Nobody really shined away. People were like more excited in at, at all at the idea that he would be the one to come out. I just I just it was just absolutely phenomenal there was an in credit scene that involved uh you know barry and aquaman too so it looks like aquaman is also uh you know uh jason momoa is also a mainstay as well no clue as to whether the others like cyborg or whatever will be making a comeback into this but we know blue beetle's coming we know ezra miller is still gonna be barry allen after all that he's done overall i hope that this film in his ability to have a afforded a second chance really puts him in a straight and narrow because he can gain the momentum that fans of having with this movie in hopes that they can revitalize his career and move on to do better things look second chances happen second chances happen look what happened to johnny depp look what happened nobody no more of a second chance can be defined than robert downey jr Robert Downey Jr., if you go back, people forget because he did so well with his life after the events and then revitalized becoming Tony Stark. He's become so much of a better person. If anybody can talk about second chances, it is him. So I would not count out Jonathan Majors. I wouldn't count out anybody. Johnny Depp is back in full effect. He got a $20 million contract with a cologne company with Dior, if you will now. Um, you could come back if you want to come back if you you could come back if you, you know if you're willing to redeem yourself if you're willing to own up to your your mistakes you can come back like people allow people to have a chance to make a comeback in life allow people to make mistakes because you're not you are not you know um avoided of mistakes you're not immune to making mistakes yourself so don't act like your high and mighty ass can't make mistakes because one day you're going to want people to forgive, uh, forgive you and you should be able to have the power to forgive others if they want to be forgiven. So we'll see how this goes with them. But overall, I would say this movie gets a solid B for me in terms of grades. Um, like I said, it was one of the better movies. I thought they did a great job. It was thoroughly entertained from start to finish. Michael Keaton did his thing. Um, I wish we could see Sarah, uh, Sasha Kell again because she really killed it and i thought she was hot in that damn suit and um yeah this, 
let's see what happens with James Gunn now. Let's see what James Gunn does in the next few years. Hopefully he can, you know, bring some integrity and prestige to this company that's just been to this production studio that's been like, ah, I can't eat. The history of DC films will forever be uh, embedded, but hopefully he can revitalize DC studios and make it with comic book fans, especially DC comic book fans have been waiting for, for a long, long time. So folks, that will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. I uh, hope everybody's having a great weekend. If you're on Facebook, for God's sake, God bless you because they're going through a lot of issues right now. A lot of accounts have been uh, compromised, if you will. And there's a lot going on. People are complaining, you know, Facebook accounts has been gone and disappeared and <coughs> excuse me. Hopefully that will all be, you know, taken care of in due time because that unfortunately is people's livelihood to some extent. And, um, Let's see what happens from here. It's just, it's been crazy. So uh, hopefully that you will find means of communication elsewhere and, and whatnot. But this is a major situation that uh, Facebook is facing right now. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So while you're not there, you can still check out this show and every episode that we have on Talk Time Live. Find out all of our audio episodes, our video exclusives, and all other content on TalkTimeLive.com as well. Especially our Peter Cullen Q&A panel that I was able to record and film. And it, it is growing viewership and people are loving the uh, the actual video. This version of it, I would say, is best. Like uh, I, I'm really proud of the amount of footage and work that I did for this one because it seems to be paying off. People are really enjoying it. Go out of your way. Go to TalkTimeLive.com right now. Check it out. It is there along with other content too. And if you want to subscribe and download to this in every episode, you can do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, and wherever podcasts are played, we are there. So go out of there and keep supporting us as well. Thank you guys again. And again, thank you Mike as well, Mike Landy for, um, you know, just being a part of the ACMG Facebook group and, uh, getting a chance to meet in person. I thought it was just awesome. I want to see more of you in the near future as well. So folks that will do it for me on behalf of myself. This is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life and love all things, anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG presents talk time live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great and safe week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.